Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Titan 100 Business Podcast. My name is Matt Watkins, host and president of the Titan 100 Business Networking Group. Uh, Titan 100 is a networking group of business professionals, business owners, and entrepreneurs that all play at a higher level. We do the normal stuff like exchange referrals and all that kind of stuff, but um, we like to say we play at a higher level. We build relationships that go deeper. We do things like set accountability items. We have hot seat events every month. Um, we meet on a weekly basis with one bigger event every month. It's an exciting environment of business owners. I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, this is our podcast where we interview our members and um, get some tips and strategies from them. Uh, so today we're talking to our Titan member, Ruthie Bowles from Defy the Status Quo. Uh, Ruthie is a content strategist and she throws around this term called authority marketing that we explore today and basically uh, explains how you can use a position of authority in the marketplace to sort of differentiate yourself among a sea of experts, sort of differentiate yourself as as sort of the true expert, the pinnacle of, of, of the sea of experts. She works a lot with business coaches and service providers, business service providers, stuff like that. So uh, one thing I do wanna say before we get started, uh, Ruthie and I recorded this yesterday. Uh, if you guys listened to last week's episode, recording was nice and crisp. You're listening to this right now, audio is nice and crisp. Uh, Ruthie and I set up the podcasting station yesterday, did a sound check, everything sounded great, went ahead and recorded a 30-minute conversation. I went back and listened to it last night, and the audio is just a train wreck. So I do apologize for the quality of this audio, uh, but the conversation and the content that is behind uh, the audio is really valuable, especially to a small business owner. So I encourage you to, to sort of grit your teeth and bear it. It is a little uncomfortable. There's a kind of a buzz at some certain points and stuff. I'm not quite sure what it was, but uh, I am not an expert in podcasting. I'm an expert in conversation. So the conversation is good and we will figure out the podcasting quality as we go. But without anything else, um, I don't want to take up too much more time before we jump into this because there's a lot of value in this conversation. I love you guys. If you're interested in checking out the Titan 100 Business Networking Group, we meet every Monday. Uh, shoot me a PM. You can find me on Facebook uh, and uh, and I'll get you in. Thanks. Okay, so we are here with Ruthie Bowles. Ruthie, you are with Defy the Status Quo Marketing, and you are our first guest on the Titan 100 podcast. So far, we've only had one episode, um, and it was just kind of me talking to myself. So I'm really excited to get into this with you. So first things first, I'm going to ask you just to tell the listeners uh, who you are, what you do, who you know, the type of things that you do, and, and who you work with, and what you help them do, all that type of stuff. So. Awesome. Yes. So my name's Ruthie Bowles and I am the founder of Defy the Status Quo. We are an authority marketing consultancy. I'm a mom. I've got four kids. I'm an army veteran. I actually met my husband while we were both deployed in Afghanistan and I'm not from the Maryland area. I'm actually originally from California and we relocated here in 2015 uh, after I got out of the army in Texas. And I got into marketing the way I think a lot of entrepreneurs end up in their specialties. And that's just because I elbowed and punched my way in. I actually did not have a formal marketing background, but there was just something about it that clicked and I've been able to get results for my clients. And so I'm going to keep going. One, let's see. We, so if, I help my clients grow their industry visibility through their stories and their expertise using something I call the radically authentic authority marketing method. Okay, so that's a term that has come up a couple of times, this authority marketing. 
has come up a couple times in our Titan meetings, and then I've watched you speak at a couple different events, and it keeps coming up. So, uh, let's say somebody is either new to digital marketing or they're kind of looking to re-explore. Uh, maybe they want to sort of reposition themselves in the market, and they hear you dropping this term, authority marketing. Explain that to them better. What is what is that? So some people call it attraction marketing. They might also call it uh, doing thought leadership. But essentially what authority marketing is, it is leveraging your expertise. And the way that we do it at Defy the Status Quo, it's more um, a blend of content marketing and online PR. Because when you're able to increase your perceived level of expertise, studies show that revenues, revenue and sales also increase. So the reason that, that that term, I guess, piqued my interest so much was because I, and I mentioned this to you before, but I have a term uh, that I, I, well, I don't want to steal your thunder or whatever. I'm not trying to, you're like, this term stood, stood out to me because in my sales training, a lot of what I talk about is positioning yourself uh, as an authority on the actual sales call, right? My background, I do some marketing with some client stuff, but I, my background is more in the sales. And that's something I talk about a lot. So um, I guess really when people hear digital marketing, I think a lot of times what they instantly jump to is the metrics, right? Um, I think they instant, instantly jump to like, how much money do I need to put in to get X amount of return or whatever. And one thing that I am kind of learning and, and being in proximity to you and then also as I develop my sales strategies and stuff, one thing I'm kind of learning is that like that authority and authenticity isn't necessarily something that can be quantified, right? Yes, that's definitely true. So, so I guess if somebody is uh, trying, to, trying to figure out how to ask this question somebody is new to this world and do you think that they need to focus on the metrics right off the bat? Do they need to focus on the metrics and learning the algorithms and all this stuff? Or is it more about just the content that they're putting out, the the quality of the message that they have and the way that, does that make sense what I'm asking? Absolutely. So it's, it's a good question because the marketer in me is like, well, don't ignore the metrics, you know, but it is easier. Like if you think digital marketing and you think ads, right? Certain number of dollars in, certain number of dollars needs to come out, right? Because you're thinking ROI. But with with content, with authority marketing, with with things like that, it's it's not always a direct correlation, right? Like even if you, you know, in the days where we went to networking events, you know, it's not always that one networking event. It was that you went to 10 networking events and you saw a lot of the similar people or some of the same people at each event. And then they just felt like they knew you and now they want to to work with you, right? So it's not always one single thing, but I will say that I, uh, as a content person, as a content professional, um, who has invested 100% in authority marketing, the messaging is critical. And I can say that because if you run ads and your messaging is off, you will make zero dollars. Those ads will cost you money because the return on investment just won't be there. If you have a strong message and it resonates with people, even if you aren't doing flashy videos and all you, you know, maybe you just do quick videos on your phone from your car while you're dropping your kids off somewhere, if your messaging is on point and you know exactly who it is that you're talking to, you will get a higher return on investment from that than you would ads with poor messaging. 
So I guess that's kind of where, like, when I was talking about the metrics and stuff, and I think business owners tend to hyper-fixate on that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I guess really the reason that I'm looking at that and the way that you've sort of, like, shifted my perspective, I specifically, the way that I really uh, paid attention to you as I was getting to know you and stuff was really through TikTok. And and that was something, (laughs) like, TikTok sucks you in, and I know, like, all the boomers hate it and stuff. It does. Um, But it sucks you in, and, like, I'm not real good with making them yet or whatever, but that's, like, and I guess kind of what I was getting at really is that when you look at at something like TikTok or Instagram or whatever, you have these, what people don't realize is that these people are are marketers at at their core. And, and they're, I I guess they're the content creators that are on there, their success stories sometimes overnight, they put Mm -hmm. out a video that just strikes a certain chord with the right amount of people and it goes viral overnight. And all of a sudden they have merch deals and everything else. And I guess what I'm saying is, is if you, if your message is strong enough and you can bring it to the market with the right tonality and all that, uh, that metrics don't metrics can't measure some, uh, me out here well there's always a story behind the metrics and it's not always going to be one specific metric that allows you to understand that story to its fullest and so that's the analytical side of marketing um and so that that's probably part of why i've been able to kind of jump in if you will um from what seems like a completely different industry but i was an intelligence analyst and analytics, I wouldn't have said were naturally my thing, but the, you know, the military was like, well, they're going to be your thing today. And so, so I became a good analyst, but it's understanding what those numbers are telling you. And so business owners get caught up because they're like, oh, how many followers did we get? Okay. Followers or customers? Now, both of those metrics matter. There's a story when you look at, you know, when you look at followers or connections or whatever to actual revenue and sales, there's a connection there. They can't really, you can evaluate them in isolation, but you're going to miss critical parts of the story. And so that's the problem with fixating on any one metric. Like that people say like, oh, well, something like followers is a vanity metric. No, I mean, in and of itself, by itself, if your goal is just followers, then yeah, it could be a vanity metric, but it is an incredibly important top of the funnel metric because people aren't going to follow you or connect with you or friend you on Facebook or whatever it is if they don't like you. Like people don't buy from people they don't like. So that's just the first part of the story. If you are getting followers, that means you're getting eyes. That means you're getting traffic. If it's that they aren't converting over to your email list, then that's where you need to evaluate that connection, right? There's another metric there. And if they are converting to your email list and they're not becoming customers or clients, then that's where you need to evaluate. So those different metrics kind of guide you along the path and and can help you understand where exactly your weaknesses are. So uh, let's explore that a little bit because you that's one of the questions I sent you was specifically um, if some somebody's looking to re-up their marketing and their and their their approach to the digital world and stuff uh are you somebody that works in conjunction with their digital marketer either on staff or the team they hire or is that something so like you're talking about this funnel right and the mm-hmm. followers are telling and so is this something where you help somebody from top to bottom build a funnel funnel the clients down all the way down to the point of sale basically or are you strategic are you specifically Hey, let's create the content together and then I'm going to hand that content over to your metrics people, over to your implementers, basically. 
that make sense? What it I'm does, asking? yeah. And so the answer is that it does depend um, because the content that we create is suitable at every stage of the funnel. So I actually like to call it a cycle um, because I there's an extra, well, not an extra, but an additional step there that I like to call delight. Right, so you've got awareness, uh, consideration, decision, where they decide to buy with you, and then delight after they've become a customer or a client. So in my space, in the B2B space, with the coaches and the consultants and the agencies and the firms, they often have repeat clients. So the delight stage for them becomes incredibly important because you always want them to come back. You always want them to be top of mind. It costs way less to do business with a past customer or a client than it does to acquire a new one. So... That's, you know, an aside, but yeah, so it, it really does depend. So we've worked with companies that have marketing teams and we've worked with companies who are kind of like, Hey, so I'm kind of mostly by myself, you know, or, you know, I have a team, but they don't really know what it is that, you know, you're doing. And the big difference is that oftentimes what we do helping our clients get, you know, speaking engagements and interviews and guest spots in addition to building up their content library. So everything online about them meshes and matches up with the persona that they are presenting that authentic self that they're presenting um it it just depends on where their team is at so that's something that we talk about with clients like if they already have a team and they and they need the content and they need somebody who understands how to talk to podcast hosts to help them get on the podcast to just you know demonstrate their authority then that's the way that we work if they need somebody who's like hey yeah if you could also publish it on the blog and and you know because we also put a lot of emphasis on content repurposing so if our clients like we create the content plan and they've decided to they're gonna make videos. Okay, great, I can repurpose the heck out of a video. Like you give me one video, I will give you a blog post. I will give you five social media posts. We'll have an audio snippet. We'll probably have a few video snippets and and that's just from one video. So a lot of our clients absolutely love that. And if, and if they don't have a social media person um, there, then we'll take on the scheduling and stuff too. It just really depends. So I guess what I hear you saying is the Titan 100 podcast needs a camera. So we can video it. Yeah. And then we can get a bond action. Yeah. So, okay. So kind of what I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like uh, if somebody had a couple strategies that they were working and they had the metrics in place and then just said, I need help perfecting the content, um, that's somebody that you would probably come alongside and be more of like a, a partner in the strategic implementation. Whereas if you had a potential client that was maybe working with one of the big behemoths like like vital storm or reach local or something like that where they're just they're pretty strictly the metrics and analytics and let's run this pay-per-click ad campaign with this special in the name not really a whole lot of content that's one where it's more you almost might replace them for the business owner if if they weren't i guess fully engaging with the content you were creating or is that yeah, I mean, so I, I, there are opportunities that like that I've you know just kind of drawn the line and that I, I will say no to um, if if we're not a good fit. I mean, so doing an authority marketing strategy alongside ads isn't a bad idea at all. Um, it's a wonderful idea if you have the resources for it. Um, and so there are particular businesses where where one kind of serves them better than the other. If your business is based in like very local and it's one of those things where people will reach out when they have a need, um, uh, like, you know, there's a storm coming and you need a generator, 
right? Like, I mean, that's pretty local. Like, I'm not going to drive to Michigan from Maryland for a generator, right? So ads in that sense would work out really well. But um, when you have those longer term types of decisions, if, if, your, if, your, if your purchase cycle is long, right, then authority marketing may serve you better. If you are, what I like to say, drowning in the sea of experts, then authority marketing may be better. If you are an expert among experts, how can they tell you apart? How do they know who to trust? An ad is not going to tell them. If anything, when I'm looking for a business professional, somebody to bring into my organization, fix things, make sure that everything works better than it did before, the ad is not going to convince me. As a marketer, I'm suspicious of ads. I am impressed when an ad works on me. <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I think, yeah, that's uh, so... Let me ask you this: When, when you're when we're talking, I'm gonna change gears a little bit here. Okay. But I just I had a, a train of thought that sort of veered off when you were talking, and we were talking about uh, authority marketing, and you had mentioned something about it's uh, no, not something. Basically, one thing we've talked about quite a few times is your niche is the coaches, consultants, that type of stuff. I come from the home improvement industry, mm -hmm. and I see, especially um, as a sales expert, right. Uh, I see a huge, uh, I see a huge value adder in in sales presentations and stuff for for even somebody like plumbers or HVAC. Like I'm, I'm thinking, if I'm going in to give a estimate for a new electrical panel, and I got to go up against three other electricians that are coming to give the same estimate, um, I can come in a little bit higher if the engagement that that person with my company that that person has had with my company has come from a place of more authority you can come in at a, a little bit higher when your competitor you can come in higher price than your competitors when the homeowner trusts you as the expert trusts his authority so i understand your niche being coaches consultants because they're speaking a language like you said they're the experts and they have to differentiate themselves among all the other experts and stuff but i think when you really think about it like a a plumber really is a plumbing expert mm -hmm. and, and when a homeowner calls a plumber or when a homeowner calls an interior designer or whatever they're calling for a certain type of expertise and mm -hmm. so even though they don't fit your niche um, what's something that those types of businesses can do to sort of like it, it let's say uh, let's say it was a, a so I'm thinking of one person in particular that I know she listens to this podcast and I admire her but she's a solopreneur just starting out um, like when she hears authority marketing, mm -hmm. uh, she's an interior designer. What's something like, what's something she can take away from this and says, okay, I'm going to implement this in my next whatever. Do you see what I'm asking? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. So that's, that's, that's a good one. Um, so in that particular space, authority marketing, again, anywhere where you feel like you're drowning in competition or you could drown in competition, right? And so, I mean, home type industries are, are a very good example of that. First things first, it's like, it's kind of like a mindset thing. If you're determined not to compete based on price, you're already winning. That's the first step because competing on price is a race to the bottom, right? Like you're going to be cutting your profit margins so thin, it's going to be like you're in a deli on the very lowest setting on that meat slicer. So the goal is to get out in front of your target audience's needs. So that's the trick even with something like plumbing. When people look for a plumber, it's usually because the water is pouring right now. 
right? So they don't have time to just, I mean, hopefully somebody's turned off the water, but they don't have time to just be browsing. They're like, I need to get this fixed now. Like, yeah, the water's not flowing right now, but, but I also can't use my water because I turned it off. So the idea is to get out ahead of that. And so with those types of of businesses, I think the best thing to do is to consider, okay, if you're in an emergency, right, these are the things you should do. But what if they're not an emergency? If you're an interior designer that I have come to trust, it's probably because you told me the little things that I can do to kind of sort out my house and and the, the ways to plan out my big projects for my house. I own my house. We have several, several big projects. Just because I'm not looking to do them right this instant doesn't mean that you still can't gain my trust. Like who here's got a bathroom, right? That they could probably, they're like, oh, if we, you know, in a couple of years, we might need to, you know, do that bathroom. Like I have one right now. We can't even use it <laughs> because it's that bad. Um, but that that's really the goal. And so all of those same strategies, all the strategies I talk about all the time, doing the podcast, doing uh, guest contributions, you know, for magazines and blogs, guest blogging, any of those places where people look for answers, that's where you wanna be. And as you grow your audience, right? Because, you know, uh, home service type of companies don't necessarily put as much emphasis on their email marketing in the same way that I do, right? To build authority, stay top of mind. Um, it's not about just sending, you know, deals or sales or anything. Your email marketing is an opportunity for you to reach your client or customer directly. So if you were building an email list to, yes, let them know when you're running specials or whatever it is, but also with that advice, hey, the seasons are changing. Guess how many emails I got telling me differences I could make with my house, like changes inside and out that I could do to make my house more reflect the autumnal season. Guess how many I got? I, I couldn't even imagine. Zero, I got zero. Why? I don't know, I haven't found anybody I trusted enough to sign up with. Okay. I get a lot of emails, no, right? Yeah, 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 like, so I unsubscribe yeah, from the no, tunnel. No, I get what you're saying. No, I understand. It took a second for it to click for me, but I get what you're saying. Like, And that, even if the that, answer if isn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. even if the answer isn't zero, I didn't open any of them. I guess, the, yeah, no, the only reason, the only, because literally my background coming from the home improvement, I'm like, oh my gosh, I used to send a million of them every day. But I understand what you're saying. Like, if, when it falls on deaf ears and when it's done in a way that's like half, I guess, so like sort of back up and this is something I'll tell you something like we're, we're 20 minutes right now I kind of had this budgeted for 20 to 30 um, I'll tell you one thing so this is obviously going to be broken it up into a couple conversations one really cool idea I had and I'm just like I told you one of the core values of Titan 100 is be uniquely human and that's what I'm going to do so gonna, I have a really cool idea where eventually we're going to have like a podcast that anybody can listen to within like the last 10 or 15 minutes are going to be like Titans only. Mm. So I think that's really cool. So this would be a Titans only thing because I think this is a really like okay. way to blend the two ideas. So we talked about a funnel earlier and then you sort of corrected it into a cycle. Yeah. And when I'm thinking now of like the, the home improvement world or the, the home service or like interior decorators or, or anybody like that. Like I'm, I'm even trying to think auto mechanics or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, kind of taking like the funnel approach. And then, and then when you said it's, it's more of a cycle, I think you take the funnel approach with stuff like we talked about that where the digital marketers that are mostly focused around like pay-per-click ads, mm-hmm. boosting Facebook stuff like that, you know, and just running specials and stuff. I think when somebody's breaks are need to be changed, they get, they get a, a 
a light in their car on or when their water is coming out of their toilet or whatever, like you said, they need it's the, what they're doing is turning right to Google and saying, yep. hey, you know, this way. And that the first person they're calling is at the top of Google. But then I guess what I say is you take that's where they start their that's where you start your funnel. Mm-hmm. But then as you funnel them down and they and they become a client, then you they move out of the funnel in and into the cycle. And that's where you get them to engage with your Facebook posts and you mm-hmm. get them into engage with your LinkedIn account and your Instagram and your TikTok or whatever social media you have. And I guess like when we were talking, when I asked you earlier, what's one thing that uh, like an interior designer could do or something. Yeah. It, it, it's because my brain loves like, Hey, this is like a literal, you can take out your phone and start doing this. Or you can like, it almost sounds like they run their ads or they get their clients through their funnel, however they want to get them through their funnel. But then one thing they can start doing to make their presence with the authority marketing known in the marketplace and stuff is uh, basically one of the things that I heard you say was something like give tips. Yeah. And like, so like, like the, an interior decorator can literally make an entire TikTok account, make an entire Instagram account based around hey, here's how to spice up different types of rooms. And when you have this type of furniture, here's ways to, or whatever. And then, yeah. and then when I see her doing that, or when I see the plumber doing that and I call in and, and they, and I start, I guess when I've been a customer through the funnel and now I'm engaging with the content they're creating and, and mm-hmm. I'm in this cycle, then in five years, when it comes time to update my bathroom, maybe they haven't heard from me in a couple couple years since they fixed my sink or whatever, but now it's time to update my bathroom. And now I'm at a point where earlier I talked about you get, you got to go up against three or four estimates or whatever. Um, now, if they've been engaging with you for that long and you've established yourself as an authority, uh, it's almost like you don't even have to go up against any other estimates yeah. because they just call you because that trust is there. Yeah. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happens when people, and that's, I was actually talking with another Titan 100 member yesterday. Um, and especially in this market where you're going, like you're the business and you're speaking directly to the consumer. Um, a lot of times we don't, as the consumer, we don't realize all the different layers, right? When you look at, uh, interior design or, or plumbing or, or insurance, and you look at how all those things play together. Um, the more you reveal to your consumer about the different layers and, and the way things can be manipulated, the more they realize, and this is what I experienced talking to that Titan 100 member, the more I realized that I just had absolutely no idea what was going on and people could just fleece me however they wanted. And that as the consumer made me feel vulnerable, but at the same time, great, because I was like, but you know what? I know you now. I know you and I know that I can talk to you and I can trust you. You know, I'm not ready to make this purchase just yet, but I know that when I am, you'll be the person I talk to. And if any of my friends are ready right now, you're gonna be the person I refer them to because I know that you know your stuff and you're looking out for me as the consumer. And so that's the other thing that it does. If you're looking beyond tips, if you're looking at, okay, interior design, all right, reveal to your audience, okay, hey, this is kind of the inner workings. Like when you contract with this person, they tell, you know, they subcontract out to all of these other people and prices come this way and supplies come from here. Like when you reveal those details, you're showing the customer problems they didn't even realize they had. I think I think sometimes entrepreneurs are, are scared to reveal those details because they're scared of like making it look like the value's not there almost like if you have to explain your process to somebody then you're afraid of, but really i think when you explain those details you establish yourself as an authority and it's like even if it does seem not as complicated as it would have been if you had just left it vague to the homeowner or, or what a 
client, I do need to say homeowner is so force a habit because I've done so <laughs> many role plays with different salespeople in the home yeah. industry. Um, so when the client like sees that, that authority coming from you or whatever, yeah, I guess it just, yeah, I think we're saying the same thing really. Well, I, and like, so think the person who I went with to buy my house, right? She's a real estate agent. She's been selling houses here for like 20, 30 years. Right. And she's like, Hey, so, you know, I've got a list of several of these different you know, people that we're going to need for, for your house, but you're more than welcome to find your own. I'm like, look, I'm busy. I hired you. I want to work with you because I trust you. So just give me your lists and I will pick somebody off of these lists. I was like, so if you're an interior designer, your key audience is not going to be the person who wants to manage their own project. Right. That's what I, yeah, that's kind of what right? I was trying to get Like that's like, not your target audience. Like, even though you, you reveal the inner workings of it, it's like they, you're afraid they're not going to see the value, but they're like, oh my gosh, look at all the stuff I'm not going to have to do yeah. while you sit. Look at all these things I wasn't even going to do because I didn't know I needed to do yeah. them. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that, but anybody who's like, oh, well I can do that myself. They were never your target audience. Like you didn't lose a sale there. Like they weren't for you. That's, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. That's a, that's a conversation for another, we'll, we'll, That'll be a conversation for another time because I have a whole different there's selling to the people that you want to sell to is like a just something that and I think and I, I struggle with this myself. I still do. I caught myself doing it just yesterday. Um I think sometimes like new entrepreneurs get so desperate for the immediate sale. Yeah. Uh and I get that because you get hungry yeah. and you get scared. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> um, but like, so uh, we're at 26 minutes. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to I'm gonna give you a chance to tell people how they can get a hold of you. Okay. But before I do that, I'm going to ask you one last question. And mm-hmm. it sort of leans into how can people get a hold of you. Um, a lot of people that know you, know you as the LinkedIn authority. Mm-hmm. And so... How can people get a hold of you? And I wanted to ask you, did you choose LinkedIn or did LinkedIn choose you to, to sort of establish yourself as this like behemoth of, of an authority on this particular social media platform? Did you find an interest in, in LinkedIn or were you just like, it just kind of happened to you? Um, I would say it kind of happened to me. I was that new entrepreneur just trying things out and I'm a millennial and Instagram is supposed to be my platform, but I hate Instagram. (laughs) So LinkedIn was just, it just fit. Like, you know, I I showed up there and LinkedIn rewarded me. So I kept showing up, but LinkedIn is a great place to find me. Okay. And so how would someone do that? If you search Ruthie Bowles, you will find me on LinkedIn if you can't find me, it's probably because you didn't spell it right. It's R-U-T-H-I-E, not a Y. Okay. Cool. Um, well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up. I think next month, probably, I'll hit you sometime, probably around the first week of next month, and we'll pick okay. up this conversation. Um, I want to talk more about using your authority marketing to specifically sell to the people you want to sell yes, to. qualify and disqualify. Yeah. And one of the things I'm excited for, too, is that as these, you know, like... This was a little rigid in the beginning and, and we're all still kind of trying to fire footing. I think it's it's fun to see how these conversations blossom over time and stuff. So we'll keep exploring this idea of authority marketing and I'm going to hit stop recording now. So thanks guys for listening. And uh, oh, I did forget to say um, another great way to get a hold of Ruthie if you do want to talk to her more about authority marketing is to come to a Titan 100 meeting. Absolutely. Um, you can always PM me and I can put you in touch with her and I can make sure that you attend whichever meeting she is a part of. And we'll do it that way. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, as always, have a great day. I love you guys. Stay safe.